We will be learning the Sicha in Chelek Chavdalit of Lukutei Sichais, the Sicha on Parshas Devarim, the first Sicha. The Sicha begins by quoting a pasuk from the beginning of our Parsha, Parshas Devarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu begins an address to the Yidden, where he gives them guidelines for the future as he is about to leave them before they go into Eretz Yisrael. And he, we learn in this parsha in the beginning that at this point Moshe Rabbeinu was in Ever Hayarding on the other side of the Jordan River in the land of Moab and Moshe began to explain this Torah to the Yidden. The Pesach says Ho'il Moshe, Moshe began Be'er to explain as HaTorah Hazos the following Torah Lemar saying and the Chachamim comment on this and what does it mean that Moshe explained the Torah to them and they say these words, that he explained it to them, translated for them in 70 languages. Similarly, we find later on that when, just before the Yidna are about to cross the Yardin, Moshe tells them that when you will cross the waters of the Yardin, you should write down on the stones that you will prepare there the following words of Torah by Er Heitev, and you should explain them very well. And here Chachamim tell us again that by Er Heitev, to explain very well means that the Yidin are told that they should write over the Torah in 70 languages. We learn in the words of the Chachamim the following story, that there is a story of five elders, and another place it says, uh, I think it says 71 elders who were asked by the, who were commanded by King Talmai. This was a Greek king who ruled the Yidden in the generations following the fall of Alexander the Great in the times of the first base Hamikdash, second base Hamikdash when we were under Greek rule. And he commanded that these Torah scholars translate the Torah for him into the Greek language, into the Loshon Yuvanis, as Chazal call it and they had to do it, they had no choice, and the sages tell us that this day that the Chachamim had to write over the Torah, translate the Torah into the Greek language was as difficult for the Yidden as the day as the day in which the golden calf was made. Why? Because it was not possible, it is not possible to translate the whole Torah in a proper way in another language. So here we immediately see that there's a problem here because the fact that Moshe explained the Torah to the Yidden in 70 languages and moreover the fact that he commanded them to write it down in 70 languages once they enter the land we see that not only is there a benefit in translating the Torah but we see over here we learn that it's a terrible thing, it was a tragedy and the Chachamim equated with the day that the eagle, the golden calf, was made. And if we say that the Torah could not be translated properly in that language, but being that the Torah had already been translated, as we learned, into 70 languages, why do we say that it was impossible to do it properly in the times of Talmud? Now, we can't say that when we say perhaps the Chachamim mean to say that it was, it was a terrible, difficult day for them because it was translated into Greek, whereas in other languages it wouldn't be a problem for several reasons. One, if we say the Torah had already been translated into 70 languages, so this language, Yivanis, is part of it. So it had already been done. And on the other hand, 
when it says, these are the words of the Chachamim, that the Torah could not be translated properly the way it should be. So we realize that it can't be so in any language. So what is the problem over here? And on the contrary, if we do find in other places that Lashon Yevonis, the Greek language, as it was spoken in those times, we don't have that language anymore properly, has actually an advantage over all other languages when it comes to translations, because according to the opinion of Shimon ben Gamliel, and this is actually the halacha, when we are told to write down the books of the Tanakh in Lashon HaKodesh, we should not write them down in any other language, but the exception is Lashon Yevonis. So how does this fit in? And we find another quote in the Talmud Yerushalmi that the Chalim investigated and discovered that the Torah cannot properly be translated in any language, but the exception to the rule is Lashon Yevonis, that Greek language. And if we think of this further, when the Chachamim equate this translation with the story of the golden calf, let's look carefully at how they say it. It says, Vahaya Hayom, that particular day when this was done, Kosheli Yisrael, it was difficult for the Yidin, Kiyom Shenaseha Egel, like the day that the Egel was made. Now, how could we compare the trans difficulty of translating the Torah properly, and it's so negative that we compare it to the time that the Egel was made? So let's look into this. Now we're going to try to understand what this comparison in. If we look carefully at the words, we see another interesting uh, story that we learn in the Gemara, and that is something else that is compared like the day we made the Egel. Nothing related to the golden calf, but a separate story much later on. So we find a story that Hillel, the famous Hillel, who we, or, who we are all familiar with, at a certain point, even though we follow the halacha according to Hillel, there was a certain situation, and the one that's referred to here, and there are several others as well, that the Gemara discusses, that the day that Hillel had to yield to Shammai, there was an ex exception in this case, and Hillel had to sort of bow to Shammai and accept his view, so the Gemara says like this, Oso hayom haya Hillel kafuf, that day that Hillel had to yield to Shammai, and and Shammai's opinion would be followed halachically rather than Hillel's. So that day Hillel was kofuf, he was bent over. V'yoshev lifnei Shammai, and he sat before Shammai ke'echad min ha-talmidim, like one of the students. He was submissive to Shammai, just like the other students, and he did not stand out that halacha would be his way. And here the sages equate this with what we are learning about the translation of the Torah. They say, This was so difficult for the Yidden, just like the day in which the golden calf was made. Here also we have to understand, why was that day in which Hillel had to yield to Shammai so difficult for the Yidden that we actually compare it to Yom Shenasa Boha Egel? to the day that the Egel was made. And if we look it up over there in the Sechta Shabbos, and the Rebbe quotes the Rashi there, Rashi says, what was so difficult, what was so terrible? Who was Hillel? First of all, Hillel was a Nasi. The Nasi is 
the main leader of the Jewish people, and the halachic leader as well, and he was very humble. Now looking at these words, something stands out. If we say that it was a tragedy because Hillel sort of had to yield that the Messiah, that high position of leadership, was affected or challenged, so we could say this was terrible because Hillel was a Nasi. It's a reason why it's difficult, because if he was a Nasi, that he should have to submit to Shammai and sit before Shammai like one of the ordinary Talmudim. But when we say that he was humble, this actually makes it easier to understand how Hillel could have been bent, could have been bent over, so to speak, in the praise of Shammai, because he was humble. So what, what exactly are we trying to understand here? So some say that when it says, what was the problem here that made it so difficult? And Rashi says, They sort of rejected Hillel, who was a leader, the Nasi, and Anaftan, and humble. And in this way, we could understand how this compares to the day that the Egel was made, because we look into some of the Mepharshim over there, and some of the Midrashim, and they say the day that the Egel was made, Sheba'atu b'Moshe. They rejected Moshe. Moshe was a Nasi, it says. He was the leader of the Jewish people. He was an Anav. He was the most humble as all men. And what did they say? Let us make for us an Elohim that will go before us. But this is not a sufficient explanation because even after we compare the two expressions, Ba to Behilel, that they sort of rejected Hillel, to Ba to Moshe, they rejected Moshe. But if we try to think of the severity of the day that the Egel was made, it's not really something that was a challenge or a rejection of Moshe. It seems to be something that was the direct sin of idolatry. How does that compare to what happened when in that particular day, Hillel had to yield to Shammah? So the Rebbe explains this by going, looking carefully at the words with which we started when we made the comparison with the Targum Hashivim and the Egel. Let's look at the expression again. The day that the Torah was translated into Yevonis, it's difficult for the Yidin, ki yom Egel. It's as difficult for the Yidin, as tragic for them, as the day in which the Egel was made. Note, it doesn't say like the sin of the golden calf, it doesn't say like the making of the golden calf, but the problem was that the day was as difficult as the day that the golden calf was made. Let's see, what does this indicate? If we go into the Chumash, in Parshas Kisis and Chumash most, and we study the Psukim that tell us the story of the sin of the golden calf, so we see that the actual service for the, of the golden calf did not happen on the day that the golden calf was made, but it says that it was the next day so the next day, as it says, that after the golden calf was made, Aaron said these words, Chag mochor. tomorrow we will celebrate this, meaning he was trying to push the Yidden away, he was trying to stall for time, he was sure that Moshe would come by the time the next day arrived and they would serve Hashem, and the essence of the sin seems to be what happened the next day, that it did not work out the way Aaron planned. They woke up the next day and they brought up sacrifices to the Egel and they served it in the way the Torah describes. 
when we say that it's kosher, that it's as difficult as the day that the eagle was made, what do we mean? That the difficulty is not so much in the fact that they made the golden calf, because it could have been that they would not have served it. It could have all been turned into a day of celebration of Hashem and Torah and Moshe would have come back. But the fact is that the Chachamim compare the Targum Hashivim, the translation of the Torah into these 70 languages, to the day into the 70 scholars are translated into Greek. Yom Egel. It's connected with a day that's connected with the Egel. And it's a day of preparation for a sin of serving, serving the Egel the next day. Similarly, with the story of the translation of the Torah. What do we see? So again, we will quote from the Chachomim that what did these scholars do? They wrote for Talmai the Torah in the language of Yivonis in Greek. And if we look it up and we see that it says, Why was this a tragedy? Because you cannot really translate the Torah like that. Because if you do a literal translation in Torah, and if you do the literal translation in Torah, and it seems to indicate some things come earlier that belong later, and some things come later that belong earlier in the Torah, then this way you can't properly do a translation. What is the problem with such a translation? Because you open up a door to have misinterpretation and to make mistakes. Here we have a Gentile. His name was Talmai, the King Talmai. And he will learn this Torah in Greek, the way it is exactly literally translated. He would not be able to understand the true interpretation of various things in the Torah. And more than that, he may even understand something the opposite of the way it's meant to be understood. Therefore, we find, if we learn the story, it's a very interesting story, that when the 72, the 72 elders translated the Torah for Talmai, and they did not want anything negative to come out. Hashem made a miracle, and Hashem put into the hearts of each one of them an idea of exactly how they should translate it, because Torah can be translated so many ways. And there are 13 things in this translation of the Torah that it says, Shinuba, they changed the literal meaning, and they did not translate it the way it would normally be translated. And now we could understand a little bit about the comparison that, that the Chacham and Telus and Mesech the Sofrim, with which we started, that this day was as difficult for the Yidden as the day in which the golden calf was made. Just like the day that the golden calf was made was difficult, because it happened to be some kind of preparation that the next day the Egel would be served. Similarly, when the Torah is interpreted in this kind of way in Yevonis, it's difficult for the Yidden because this could lead that Torah should not be interpreted or understood properly. And this is the opposite intent of what the Torah is here for. Now, let's leave this for a moment and let's go speak about the story of Hillel, that the day that he yielded to Shammai, it's compared to the day that the Egel was made. So let's see. The fact that uh, it, what was so terrible here? Let's try to understand it. What is the fact? Because Hillel had to yield to Shammai, 
and he did not persist in his arguments, and this was according to halacha. So whatever happened that day was the proper way that things should happen. What is difficult here? In the fact that this could lead to some kind of misunderstanding later, that when it would come to determining halacha, we would follow the view of Shammai, which is the opposite of what the general principle is for all future generations, that at a certain point it was determined that for all the future generations, we follow Hillel and we don't follow Shammai, and we could have made a mistake and thought that because we follow Shammai in this and this case, perhaps we could do it at other times. And therefore we could say that when Rashi says what was so difficult, Hillel was a Nasi and he was an Anav, he was humble, Rashi is explaining what's difficult. Why is it that halacha is determined according to base Hillel? For two reasons, because of two characteristics that represented Hillel. One was that he was a Nasi, and one that he was an Anaftan, that he was a very humble person. Generally speaking, if we learn the system of how halacha was determined after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and after, at the time of the Tanoim, we learned that, if we learned the story, after Rabbi Yochanan, uh, after Anshik Nessus Hagdola, we had a system of leadership, this is enumerated in the first chapter of Pirkei Avos, where there were two simultaneous leaders, one was called a Nasi, and one was called an Abbasin. Both led the Jewish people together. Each one had his unique role, but both of them were, of course, discussing halacha. But the halachic guide is usually the Nasi, even regarding the head of the Basin. And here we have the opposite. In this case, Hillel was the Nasi, and Shammai was the Abbasin, and he had to yield to him. And he was humble, as the Gemara says, in general, why is it that Beis Hillel, that Hillel and his school that followed him merited that halacha should be resolved according to their opinion for all future generations because they were nochim and aluvim. They were very, very humble people. Being that all things in Torah are meticulously exact, so we understand that when we compare these two things we are discussing, the translation of the Torah for Talmud and the day that Hillel had to yield to Shammai, both of these are compared to the day the Egel was made. So it's not only in the fact that this day could cause something not positive to happen, just like the actual making of the Egel was not the ultimate tragedy. The ultimate tragedy was what resulted the next day. But also, what is really represented by the day that the Egel was made, which of course was followed by the actual worshipping of the Egel. So now we're going to explain it by referring to some of the Mepharshim on the story of the Egel. And the Rebbe brings it over here that how could it be that the Yidden would make this golden calf and serve it? So it's not that they demanded to have an idol to serve. What they wanted was a manhig. They wanted a leader. They were used to Moshe being their leader. Moshe did not come back when they had been told that he would, according to their understanding. And they wanted somebody to replace Moshe, not to replace Hashem Chas v'sholem. And as they said, if we carefully study the words that precede the story of the Chet Egel, it says, what was bothering the Yidden? Ki Moshe ha'ish, 
this man Moshe, Asher Helonu Me'eris Mitzrayim, who brought us up from Mitzrayim, Lo Yodanu Mahayolo, we don't know what happened to him. They were looking to replace Moshe Rabbeinu. They needed a leader, meaning they wanted that there should be some kind of uh, intermediary between them and Hashem, based on the principle that this is the system that Hashem himself had established. As it says, They said, Moshe is the man who took us out of Mitzrayim. Moshe, in, as a shliach of Hashem, and he was able to bring them closer to Hashem. In other words, if a yid right here below in our world wants to be connected with Hashem and serve Hashem properly with all his characteristics and all his or her qualities, also with intellect, also with feelings and emotions, when can it be when godliness comes down here right below in a manner that we could actually know that there is a God? as the Rambam writes in his book of Halacha, not only to believe that there is a God, but to actually know it and understand it, and what a locus is. That's what a yid needs to have. How can we have that kind of appreciation of a locus? So we learn that a locus becomes revealed to a person here, Lamata, and a shaman aguf, a soul, a soul in, within a body, and becomes vested in that person in a most wondrous kind of unity like Moshe who was called Isha Elohim. Moshe was a human being. He could be seen, he could be heard, and in order to bring a locus down in a way that it should be felt and perceived in the world, in our physical olam hazeh, in our material olam hazeh, and in all related matters, the Yidden thought that there has to come down through a lower level in Olam Hazeh, and when they have that through a leader, then it would be able to affect the world. And as we see, this is exactly what happened later. We learn that Hashem gave us a command to make a base Hamigdosh in Parshas Truma, and He says, Va'asuli Migdosh, they should make for me a sanctuary. And if we look in the Chumash, what is this Mikdash made of? It's made of gold, silver, copper, and all other types of materials and then Hashem says the Shachanti Bisokham and I will dwell in them. I will dwell in the Mishkan, I will dwell in each and every yid. So what was the main thing in the Beis Hamikdash that indicated that the Shkina was resting there? So we know that it's the Aron and the two Kruvim, those two angels that were made on top of solid gold. And th through this the Shekhinah would come dwell on the Yidn, as it says in the Chumash that when the Aron is built, the Dibarti Itcha, Hashem says, I will speak to you from above the Kaporis, from above the cover that's on top of the Ark, on top of the Aron. And the voice of Hashem would come from between the two Kruvim that were on top of the Aron. That was a testimonial to the fact that Hashem was resting amongst the Yidin. And the Rebbe says, we can say that this is a, another that this is what the Chachamim tell us in the Medrash, that how could Chet Egel even have happened? So they take us back to the story of Matan Torah. When the Torah was given, we can go back to the Chumash and purchase Yisro and read the story. It says, Vayered Hashem al Harsinai. Hashem himself descended to Harsinai. And they literally saw Hashem coming down 
in the divine chariot, and the divine chariot, we learned the Novi Yecheskel, has images of different uh, creatures, and one of them was Pnei Shor, the face of an ox, and they sort of took that to themselves. They wanted to have a manifestation, something that relates to this earth. So just like Lamaila, we have a divine chariot, so they, when they decided to make the eagle, before it was even served, and Aaron said, Chagla Hashem Machor, tomorrow will be a day of celebration for Hashem, this could really lead to something positive, that when Moshe will come, Yidden will see that the eagle is really nothing, and it would have been wonderful. However, we learned the Medrash that Rashi brings, that they woke up early in the morning, the, the Satan actually did not want that things should go well for the Yidden. And therefore, he created some kind of image which indicated to them that Moshe Rabbeinu was not alive anymore. He wanted them to sin, so he woke them up very early, and they would have gotten up a little later. They would not have sinned. But on the other hand, Moshe would come down, and he would take the Egel, and he would burn it with the acquiescence of all the Yidden, and it would never have been the service of the Egel. And this would have expressed the ultimate Achdus Hashem, and the Yidden would have seen that ain't od milvado, as it says in Chumash, in Chumash Abarim, in the next parsha, that there is nothing other than Hashem. And if there is some intermediary between Hashem and the Jewish people, it is an intermediary that doesn't stand between them, but rather that connects them more than ever. Because Hashem sent him, and Hashem made him, his shliach for the Jewish people to help bring them closer to him. But it didn't work out like this, and it branched out into being by some of the Yidden. The next day it turned into Chet Egel, which was the Chet, a sin of idolatry, which is the opposite of Achdus Hashem, which is the opposite of, of proclaiming the oneness of Hashem. And here now we can understand when we say the word Kosha, we use in all three stories, the one of the day the Egel was made, the one of Targum Hashivim and the one of Hillel, that they are all kosha kiyom shenasaboha egel. They are all difficult for us, like the day in which the egel was made. And we'll emphasize again, as the Rebbe does here, not that it's difficult, like the day the egel was served, but rather the day the egel was made, because the very fact that there could be something that's separate from Hashem, a separate entity, even if one thinks that through this a locus will come down. But it's not something that Hashem commanded. Notice, we all know that a mitzvah, something Hashem commands, we learn is Lashon Safsa, it's a connection. But if we do it on our own without any kind of godly uh, desire or mention or command, it can branch off into something negative like the sin of idolatry as it happened in the Midbar. But when something is done, and it's done because Hashem commands it, it's something that Hashem wants, like the Aron and the Mishkan, the Kruvim that we made because Hashem wanted. So then we can appreciate, we sense immediately it's, an, it's some kind of measure through which the Dvar Hashem comes through. But what makes it that there is only Hashem and Hashem wants it should be this way, so this way it cannot lead to anything negative. And this is really the inner meaning of the Medrash with which we Medrash we mentioned of what happened at the time of Matan Torah. When the Yidden saw 
that there is such a thing as a shor. The Egel is a baby of what the shor is supernally. So this reveals godliness. But when this shor gets taken down and represented here, Lamata, in our world, as a part of the divine chariot, but we don't find that it's from Hashem. We don't find that the chariot is bottled, completely nullified before the rider. The mer- so there we can have Chaita Egel, Chaita Valdezara, because this is something that we came, com- we came to completely. The, I'm sorry, the rider is not bottled to the chariot. And this is something that comes about because we did something completely on our own, not something that we com- were commanded to do. Similar to this, as we get closer to the conclusion of all these thoughts we've mentioned, we'll speak about that which we started, the translation of the Torah to the language of Yavon, which was written for Talmai, that it was difficult for the Yidden, like the day the Egel was made. What is this idea of translating the Torah? So, if Moshe translated the Torah in 70 languages, like Hashem told him to, or if we fulfill the command of writing down the Torah once we come into Eretz role and explain it in 70 languages, being that this is something that comes from Hashem, it's something that comes from Torah, the way it's an original source in Lashon HaKadosh, and it comes as a command of Hashem, it does not give any place to explain the Torah in a way that it wasn't intended to be explained, to make a mistake in explaining it. Because all the 70 languages are incorporated in that command, and being that Hashem commanded it, the holiness of Torah, the holiness of the word of Hashem, is manifest in all languages if Hashem tells us that it should be translated. But if we're translating the Torah, yielding to the demand of King Talmai, not something that came from Shemayim, that came from above, from Hashem himself, then the language of Yavon, in the, in the language of the Greeks as they spoke then, this could have led to something that was not proper. And here we have some examples. Whenever one studies the story of Targum Hashivim, we learn these, some of these examples. We'll start from the beginning. It says in the Torah, Bereish is bara Elohim. So what do we see? That who created the world? Hashem, there's one God and he created the world. But we can translate it differently if we look literally at the words. We could say Bereshis, something called Bereshis, Bara Elohim, created God. There, there are two gods, God forbid, and the first one created the second one. And through this, other psukim in Torah, it's interesting to study some of them, but similar things, in most of them, they could leave a place to interpret the Torah and explain the Torah, something that does not really bring out what Torah wants to bring out, but rather something that is the exact opposite of Achdus Hashem. And now as we get to our conclusion, just like it is regarding the day the Egel was made, and in a much finer way, the way the Torah was translated into Greek, similarly it is even seen in Torah itself regarding the Machlokas, the disagreements between Shammai and Hillel, or base Shammai and base Hillel. So let's talk about Shammai and Hillel for a few moments. The Rebbe says it's well known that the source of Shammai's soul is the meat of Gvura, Din, severity, and the source of Hillel is the quality of Chesed, loving kindness. And therefore, if we study the different debates that we learn about 
in the oral Torah that existed between Hillel and Shammai, we will see that generally speaking, in most instances, Shammai or his followers always take the stricter route and Hillel and his followers always take the more lenient route based on the source of where they, each one of them comes from. What is the difference between Midas Hadin, uh, severity, stringency, and Midas HaChesed and Rachamim? So it could be similar to something that the Medrash tells us regarding Chesed, kindness, and Emes, which is really Din. As we all know, in the footnote that Rebbe mentions here, something that we learn in Rashi in the beginning of Bereshis, it says Bereshis, and then Hashem saw that the world would not be able to sustain itself, to survive it, which was the Midas Hadin, and Hashem joined with it Midas Harachamim. We learned this right away in the beginning. So here the Rebbe brings the Medrash the following. Hashem sort of asked the Midas of Chesed and Bura, should he create the world or not? And it says Chesed said the world should certainly be created. And Vuru or Emma said, no, it should not be created. Why? Why would this happen? What insight do we have here into the nature of Chesed and the nature of Vura? So as far as the Mid of Vura is considered, the Mid of Din, the Mid of Tundrasi is concerned, there's really no place for a world. The world is a contradiction to godliness. It seems like an entity onto its own. But according to the Mid of Rachamim, the world must exist because it's a place where the godliness that's there in potential can be brought out. So after the world was created, what do we see? That as far as the world of Din is concerned, the aim is to be mevatal the world, to nullify the world, to break the world because it stands in conflict. And the Mid of Chesed is, on the contrary, to bring godliness into this world. Now, to understand a little bit deeper the difference between Gvura and Chesed. If we go to the level of Gvura, to the mid of Gvura, the world is an entity unto its own, distinct completely from God, and we can think it exists on its own, the godliness is covered up, it's hidden, and therefore what is our avoda to break it and to nullify those things that stand in the way of the world, in the way of Hashem. But as far as Midas HaChesed is concerned, which brings Elokos into the world, what do we see? That potentially everything is godliness and one with God. Therefore, what do we have to do in this world? We have to constantly reveal in this world the godliness that's there. So when we have two possibilities, we have to discover what is the halacha. We have to determine it, rather. Should we rule the stricter way, more stringently, or should we be more lenient about it and deal with it more lightly? So based Shammai, whose source is Vura, stringency, the idea is to separate oneself from the world and stay away from those things that interfere with godliness. And Beis Hillel takes a lenient approach to refine and to uplift each person, whatever portion Hashem gives him in this world. If we look at this in the finest way, bedakos, bedakos, looking at it from the most refined way, from the most spiritual way, that if we go according to Midas Hadin, it can lead us to two 
to viewing two different things, Kavyochul. And we have to constantly fight the struggle between the good and the bad because the world itself does not seem to be united with godliness. But if we come to the meat of Chesed and Rachamim, if one looks from that angle, we see the oneness of Hashem completely and perfectly in everything. And this resolves for us whatever we have not yet resolved so clearly that we learned in the Sikha up to this point. And now we could understand why we say that the day that Hillel had to yield to Shammai, he was kafuf, he was bent over and sat humbly before Shammai, just like one of the students. And this was difficult for the Yidin, like the day in which the eagle was made, being that this day the halacha was like Shammai, and Shammai indicating the overpowering of Din over Chesed and Rachamim. So there was a fear that through this, we would also continue to interpret the halacha, rather to resolve the halacha in a way of stringency. And this could ultimately, in some fine way that we don't recognize right away, leave a place that we should be able to see two powers in the world, two, op two opposing forces at the same time, and we have to fight with them to disturb, to destroy that which stands against Hashem. But, in the last part of the Sikha, we learn the following, and we learn the, the practical application of this for all of us, which ultimately, of course, will lead to Mashiach. If we think about this, these two days, the day that the Torah was translated into Greek, and the day that Hillel had to sit humbly before Shammai, these are kosha, they are difficult like the day the eagle was made. It's not only that we're concerned with that because of the shash, the doubt, the suspicion that maybe something negative will come out, but on the other hand, practically, the fact that the Torah was translated into Greek and the day that, for Talmai, and the day that Hillel was subordinate to Shammai, nothing negative came out of this not like by the day the eagle was made. And more than this, in the day that the eagle was made, Aaron said the words Chag, a holiday, a day of celebration. La Hashem Machar will be tomorrow. Meaning that if we would utilize this opportunity or this thing that happened in the way that we should, it could lead to something. Not only that's not negative, but it could lead to a Chag and Moshe would come back and we would deal Hashem the way we're supposed to. And when the Torah was translated into Greek, when the 72 Skenim translated the Torah for Talmai, not the way we would have, we said it can't be really done properly, but with the miracles that happened that they changed different things, starting from the very first post of Bereshus Bar Elohim, not, not only did it come down that the nations of the world would now have an idea of Achdus Hashem, but it became a halacha, a very interesting halacha we have that the Rambam brings when he discusses the writing of the Torah and tefillin uh, and things like that, that the only language other than Lashon HaKodesh in which one is allowed to write a Sefer Torah is the language of Yivonis, and that Sefer Torah is kosher and has the exact same rules like every Sefer Torah has. And of course, we cannot do that. The Rambam indicates anywhere because we don't really know that language anymore. The original language does not exist in the same way. 
but the absolute perfection and refinement of the lang- of the Greek language takes place when it is used for translation since that experience happened and similarly regarding the day that Hillel was subordinate and humbled before Shammai like one of the students not like a Nasi that nothing negative came out from this and we still have the rule that halacha is kebeis Hillel not kebeis Shammai but Shammai himself actually became bottled to Hillel and we find several places in the Torah where in the discussions of halacha that Beis Shammai was we rule according he ruled more leniently now in conclusion the Rebbe says the following being that the words of Tzadikim chayim vekayomim la'ad live and exist forever and specifically things that are written in Torah being that Torah is eternal from here we understand that when Aaron said the words in the Chumash Chag la Hashem achar, tomorrow will be a holiday for Hashem and we know that the day this happened was Shiva Asar Betamuz so it will certainly be fulfilled as it says in the writings of the Arizal that sowed Hanirmaz there is a secret alluded to in these words when Aaron said tomorrow which is 17th of Tammuz in the story of Chet HaEgel that ultimately it will be compared to a Yom Tov, to a holiday, to a special day of joy. And we will see that there will be a holiday for Hashem tomorrow because we know that the word Mochor, when it appears in the Torah, Mochor could mean the immediate day following the day that it is said, or Mochor could mean La'akharsman, referring to a date in the distant future. And we can say that Bipnimius, this is really uh, expressed in the fact of the celebration when Yidin do tshuva for the Chet Egel, because in the future it will become revealed this tshuva and what it accomplished and, and what we accomplished with our tshuva and the oneness of Hashem will become revealed in everything even in the expression of the Gimel Klipos Hatmeos the three Klipos that their sparks will become transformed into good and be elevated to Kedusha. And at the very end, the Rebbe tells us that similar to this, along these lines, is the translation of Torah into 70 languages in the later generations. And here are the Rebbe's words, and specifically the wellsprings of Hasidus, of Pneumius HaTorah, as it is known that the previous Rebbe put in every effort that we should translate inyanim of Torah and also things even of Hasidus into 70 language, so that languages so that all those who do not yet have the ability to study and understand the Lashon HaKodesh or even in Yiddish which is a language that Jewish people spoke throughout the Golos they too should be able to have access to these wellsprings of Hasidus and through this what happens we actually complete and perfect the elevation and the refinement of the 70 languages of the world, not only the way they are interactive with Lashon HaKodesh, but each one language as it stands on its own, and how can this be done in the best way to bringing down the deep ideas and explanations of Achdus Hashem, of the oneness of Hashem, that's in Hasidus into the language of languages of every single nation 
And this, of course, will affect not only the language of the nation, but will affect the 70 nations themselves. And this will bring closer, and this will speed up the fact that Mashiach will come. As Mashiach said, he will come when these wellsprings will be spread to the world. We know this from the story of the Baal Shem Tov. And as we know, based on the Psukim in Navi, as it says, Az el Amim Hashem will then uh, transform to all the nations, bring to all the nations one clear language, Likro Kulam B'Shem Hashem, all of them together will call in the name of Hashem, and serve them all together as one, and then we will have the fulfillment as the Navi tells us in Zechariah, the very, very famous words, these sad days where we mourn the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash will be transformed into Sason and Simcha, different expressions of great joy, and to special days, and it will be the, conc- and the, the conclusion of the days of three weeks when we mourn the destruction of the temple, which started in Shiva Asur Batamuz, Tishabov, which is the last one of those days, and marks the actual destruction of the Beis Hamigdash, will become a Yom Tov Godol. The Rebbe uses these words, and uh, that it's a great Yom Tov, Bekar of Mamish, with the coming of Mashiach Sitkenu. May we merit to experience this speedily in our day now. Thank you.